0: Just a quick technical note for this episode, we had some issues that resulted in Jordan's audio recording not being the best quality, but we have identified that problem and fixed it, so future episodes won't be affected. Just so you know for this one as you're listening, that's what's going on there, but again, we fixed that and we promise future episodes will have much better audio quality all around, thanks. Hello and welcome to Found TechCrunch's podcast highlighting The stories behind the startups and the founders behind the startups. I'm here with my co-host and the additional television set I've just added to my dungeon gym.
1: <laughs> you're watching me on that thing? That's so creepy.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's Jordan, that's what you are to me, is a television set. Because you're endlessly entertaining, and I flip through the channels and we'll see what's on all the time. <laughs> the channels
1: all, is that all my different personalities?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I am
1: always on a screen somewhere in the world. That's right. Yeah, that's me. I'm Jordan and i'm motivating daryl in his basement dungeon yeah
0: and you'll understand the context of the dungeon gym later on and let me just say
1: you maybe understand it you might also still feel a little uneasy about it you might not fully understand
0: there's just disclaim up front that the dungeon gym is a very safe place
1: that <laughs> you sound so creepy <laughs> stop trying to convince people of its safety it sounds like you're luring people to it stop <laughs>
0: Anyone can come and go at any time from the dungeon. It's free gym. to leave. I don't think only tenuously related to, to what we're talking about today. You will find out about this later on, but we're talking to Liz Young from Realm, which is a platform that tells you what is the value of your home and what is the value of money you put into your home, right? So it's like giving you a full comprehensive tool of like, based on where you are, based on the market conditions of the time, like what is your home worth? What is it worth if you invest in it in specific ways? And what kind of return are you going to see on those investments over time? So really, it really is like the smart analytics platform for the personal homeowner, right? Which is like something that has not existed. People do not have access to that kind of information about their home. You have best guesses, but it's all kind of like reading the tea leaves, and yeah. Realm aims to make it more of a science.
1: Right? Yeah, I mean, I was, I constantly was thinking when we were talking to Liz about people throw around the term category defining a lot in tech, and or category creating, and this does feel like the kind of thing where, at the very best, you're hatching together a few different software platforms, medium level, you're like. On things like angie's list and doing a lot of like one-off research in your area worst case just like best guess hoping for the best you know anything could happen and it's true it's like the biggest financial asset decision whatever in anyone's life really and so it's kind of crazy that there hasn't been a portal or platform that'll allow you to help you do the math on some of this stuff so i think it's really really cool idea the conversation, though, had me a little bit depressed because as I search for a home, I mean, you have your home. You're getting to do fun projects in it. But like, I want to buy a house.
0: You'll have one soon and then you'll be able to register as a <laughs> as a member of Realm. Let's hear from Liz about Realm. Hi, Liz. Hey, Dial. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're really excited to hear about you and also about your startup, Realm. It sounds like it's like a cool fantasy setting, like Lord of the Rings type. Is that what it is? I know it's not that, but.
2: Yeah, uh, note to founders, think carefully when you choose the name and pick something that's <laughs> not like wildly popular among video gamers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Realm is building a single destination for homeowner insights. We're, we're making anyone a home expert. So nothing to do with video games, but I think equally cool.
0: Definitely cool. And as a homeowner myself, I am curious about this. So, like, what can you tell homeowners about their home that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise known?
2: Yeah, we, we can tell them a lot. Uh, so, you know, for, for the average American homeowner, their house is their biggest asset. It makes up 62 percent of their total assets. It's where they spend most of their time, but it's a total black box. So as a homeowner, you're left navigating all these big decisions on your own. So that could be like, hey, I want to renovate my kitchen. How much should I spend? Or mm-hmm. I heard mortgage rates went down. Like, Is now the right time for me to write refinance given my credit score and my financial profile? So we help homeowners navigate all of those decisions, whether it's you know a physical construction decision or it's a financial decision like refinancing or moving.
0: Great. I mean, th- that sounds awesome because I would have no clue where to even start with like any of that stuff, right? Well, like, you
1: don't count because she's well, talking about American homeowners. Oh, that's true. Here,
0: so, uh, Jordan, I didn't even bring up that I was Canadian on this podcast. You brought up that I was Canadian just for the record. Eventually,
2: so. we'll be in Canada.
0: Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. They'll be in yeah. Canada eventually, Jordan, so it's fine.
1: <laughs> true. I'll be a homeowner eventually, so it's fine. <laughs> so eventually,
2: both of you will be using Realm, moral of the story. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, before Realm, without Realm, and, and Daryl, maybe this is what you do in Canada. I think it's the same. People basically do three things to navigate these decisions on their own. They won. They, they go down the Google black hole. So they type in, they go to Google and they type in, like, how much do kitchen renovations cost in Mount Laurel, New Jersey? Right. And you get these, like, high-level regional estimates. Uh, you second, you ask, I call it an opinionated friendly. So it's someone that thinks they know a lot but doesn't actually know a lot. So it's like Uncle Joe telling you about that roof replacement or your neighbor, you know, Susie down the street. Or third is you ask a professional so you ask a real estate agent or a contractor it's ultimately someone trying to to sell you stuff so yeah as a homeowner you just try to take all this information from these three fragmented places and try to organize it and and use it to make decisions it's it's really tough
0: it is really tough and i know exactly what you're talking about we've been noodling for a long time we just got in this place like during the uh, height of the pandemic right last year but like We've been thinking about the the various projects and trying to prioritize them, and then looking for kind of like cost estimates.
2: Yeah, and it's it's I think it's it's wild for a couple reasons. Like first is outside of your home, there, there's nowhere else that you spend so much time and so much money with such little information. Like if you look at any other part of our lives, whether it's like what we eat, how we exercise, what equities we buy, there's like a, a, you know a surplus of data that we can use to inform those decisions. And it's been one of the really cool. Changes over the last ten years that that's readily available to most consumers using their phone. But your home is is like the last big stone to unturn here yeah. to bring transparency, to bring unbiased information. And it's the, the reason why it, you know it hasn't been fixed to date is really twofold. One is it's hard. It's this weird middle ground between a financial asset, which it is, mm-hmm. but also an emotional thing. Where like your family is, you have memories, so that makes. The idea of insights having to be pretty flexible and customized and personalized, because like what Daryl cares about is likely different than what Jordan cares about, which right. is different than what Liz cares about. And then last is data science just wasn't ready until the last 10 years. The types of data models you have to use to break the home into thousands of little pieces and provide these actionable insights at the object or room level, which is what what we do, requires some pretty sophisticated stuff that just wasn't around you know, 10, 15 years ago.
0: Yeah. And like, how do you get the data to even build those models? Right. Cause like you said, it was all fractured and siloed. Like how do you collect it to begin with, to even start to create models that can provide insight? And where do you
1: start? Like, where did you start? Like, you know, you have to go one thing at a time, I would assume.
2: Yeah. Um, Data's is tough here, so we we're a data company, so we live and breathe data. If you're you know walking around the realm office that I'm in right now in, in Union Square, you'll you know hear like we should probably like do one of those games where you like take a shot every time you hear the word data because <laughs> it would be all the time. Um, so we do data three ways. First, what we do from data is is the way that most real estate tech companies do data. So this is the least exciting but like a necessary evil and builds the foundation, which is you aggregate publicly available data. So if you look at like a Zillow or a Redfin, that's what they're doing. They look at data sets like building permits, tax assessor data, stuff that your local government knows about. Um, And there's a bunch of companies that have been aggregating and cleansing that data for many years. So we do that too. And that gives you a nice foundation for the house. So it tells you things like, all right, how many bedrooms does this house have? When's the last time that they did a permitted kitchen renovation? But we pretty quickly learned like, all right, we're going to have to get to know the house a lot more intimately and get to know homeowners a lot more intimately to actually provide them these, you know, unbiased, actionable insights. Mm -hmm. So it became clear that we'd have to do two other things here at Realm, and this is unique to Realm. So the second thing we do is we ingest user information. So what does that mean? Um, It means that homeowners are telling us things they've done to their house and things that they care about, their goals, things they want to do in the future. So for the average person, our average user is telling us about 7.2 unique data points about their house right now. And they're telling us things like, hey, I added that pergola without a a permit. Or, you know, I did a little (laughs) renovation on this half bathroom. Or my goal is to move and sell my house for a lot of money in two years. And that information allows us to, to really personalize and customize both the individual homeowner's assets, but it also allows us to build a more sophisticated comps engine. So now that I know Daryl's house better, I can actually help other homeowners with homes nearby understand their home value more clearly. Right. So That's the second thing we do is this ingesting user information. And the third cool you know uniquely realm thing that we do is we build our own data. And I like to talk about this because I think it's it's a good example of like things not having to be pristine at startups early. Like it's it's sometimes really exciting to build something that's super innovative, which we do or doing is really innovative. But sometimes you have to do some like nasty things to get there. And on the building data, when we started looking at all the different data we wanted to know about, it became clear that there was a lot of local rules and regulations that was impossible to to find. Homeowners didn't know about it. There yeah. was no provider of this data. Basically it's like rules that tell you what you can and can't do on your property. So this might be shocking, but as a homeowner, if you want to like paint your house purple and build a home addition to the to the the front of your property, you probably can't do those no. things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I've like, definitely seen people try, so yeah, yeah, people don't know that you can't do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Some people try and then get you know, get get in trouble after. So, so there's lots of these different localized rule sets. Some are from your local government. They're called zoning data or building codes. Sometimes it's part of a home association that you live in, like an HOA. And we've at Realm operationalized the collection of that data. We started with zoning data. And made it useful for the average person so you know if if jordan you have a house in indiana and you go into realms account we actually know all of the local rules for your town and can interpret for what that means for your property Uh, so it was a pretty big data scrape
1: lift and then required some tech on top including hoa rules because i know that like we haven't done hoa yet yeah because we're going through the process of trying to find a house and like the HOA agreement is like particularly in this market when you're having to waive everything essentially in the sub, yeah. right? Like you waive any conditions all the protections for a buyer like the one out is your HOA agreement and it's like yeah. delivered at a specific time and then you have 5 days from the date it's delivered and that's like your only out is being like oh I'm not cool with the HOA but <laughs> because of that like those those agreements are kept like pretty secret, right? Like secret. yeah, so they're not like Huh. you struggle to go find it on the internet, right? Or whatever. Like it's not a publicly available yeah. agreement. It's something that's mailed to you once you've made an offer or you own a home. So yeah. Like, and those are wow. also rules. Lots of rules. Yeah. we
2: we So we've done zoning data already and Realm now has the largest address level zoning database in the US, which is pretty cool. So we can tell you the number of square feet you can build on most single family homes and where. The next data sets we're going to take down are our HOA and building code because you know all three of those are important for really understanding what are you allowed to do. Uh, but I, I like pointing to those because right, it's it's hard. You have to collect all of this highly fragmented, sometimes private data, and then bring it all back to one property, combine all of it, and say, okay, based on all this stuff, Jordan, what are you allowed to do?
0: Right. Yeah. That. I mean, it seems like just such a monumental task especially since a lot of those things are shifting constantly right so like how does it become something that you can do at scale efficiently right i mean i guess that's what the secret sauce for realm is but like yeah that must be the biggest challenge because if you came into the room and i was like an investor i would be like oh you're setting yourself up like it's it's impossible you get you have to have so much labor in every individual market at the neighborhood block level right that it doesn't seem scalable
2: yeah we so we cover right now most detached single family homes in the u.s so our total platform covers about 80 million homes we have users in all 50 states so we've cracked data for for all those areas so on scalability you know how do you do that um so i think first is figuring out is like what level of accuracy is best at different parts of the user journey and i think a lot of companies early companies founders run into challenges when they obsess over something being perfect out of the gate right and the reality is to solve a problem generally perfect isn't the right solution or definitely isn't the right solution early days so let's use that zoning example It's, it's a good one so for us if we understand, if we can get to 90% accuracy on on zoning in a totally automated, human-free way, like you make an account for free with Realm, you sign up, and we can tell you within the 10% range how many square feet you can add, that empowers you to make a decision. And then if you're like, all right, cool, I know what I'm going to do, then we'll layer in humans to get you that final 10% of the way before you're actually shelling out cash and spending a lot of money. So we really take that seriously of like, what level of accuracy is important to get someone to the point where they make a decision? Then once they're there, how can we layer in a human intervention or touch at the end to get them all the way to that perfect accuracy level?
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So people can kind of noodle and that's not costing anybody anything. It's just like, yeah. No. So th- actually that brings up, what is the business model then? I mean, I, I, you're partnering with providers, I'm assuming, but it's, is that kind of the main revenue thrust?
2: Yeah, we're, we're a marketplace business model. Yeah. So we give insights and data for free to consumers in all 50 states. And then we make money if we facilitate an introduction to a provider that can carry out our recommendations. And that could be a contractor, could be a lender. With time, it could be almost unlimited verticals, but we're focused on, on those two right now.
0: Obviously, you, you know this stuff front to back, but like, did that come with founding the company? Or did you already kind of have a focus and an interest in this area prior to, to creating Realm?
2: Uh, I've always loved real estate. So, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I was even growing up, I was like one of those kids that would be really excited to go to the grocery store to like get the real estate magazines. I still like to go to the grocery store to get real estate <laughs> magazines. So, I've always been fascinated by real estate, buying a home growing up. We were renters and I remember when we bought a home for the first time, I was 6 years old. And we went from being renters to buyers, and it was such a milestone for our family. My grandparents were involved, and everyone was pitching in, and it was this huge deal. Like everyone came over for before we had any furniture, and that was always, you know, like embedded in the back of my mind. Is like homeownership is this monumental way to get ahead and this huge accomplishment. So as I started to, you know, go through college and and figure out what I wanted to do professionally. I started working in in data and technology. So my first job, I was I worked at a big insights company called Bloomberg and I was a mortgage specialist there where I was responsible for basically helping like big corporations decipher mortgage data. And now I'm you know still like real estate in my personal life and my professional life I'm helping big companies understand real estate data and I got an increasing amount of conviction of like hey there's some really cool professional great analytics here. But how do we democratize this information? So I got the itch to build, and I, I did two, a couple stints at startups, which I, I loved, and and one of which was at a real estate startup where I really learned and, and cracked the skill set of piecing together seemingly like unrelated data to bubble up really powerful insights. And I think that's important because I think as a founder, you know, you don't want to have to learn everything for the first time when you sure. start a business, right? It's tough if you're learning how to be a founder for the first time and learning subject matter expertise. So. When I you know, decided to start Realm, it was because I had spent so much time building insights for real estate professionals. And I was like, we got to democratize this. We got to take this information and figure out a way to simplify it and get it into the hands of the average person. And if we do, we're going to be able to give tens of millions of people peace of mind and clarity and like how powerful is that yeah
0: well and and even uh like maximizing their asset income potential right it's like totally
2: yeah. so the impact can be huge financial impact it can be huge you know memory or emotional impact so that, that was the background on why i started it and it was helpful because then once i was ready to like hit the gas and and, and do the thing you know i already had this this deep experience around the, the data component
0: it's so cool that you were able to kind of marry that thing to something that you're actually doing day to day. And it's, and it seems like the expression of it came out of that passion, right? It was like, you really were like looking at it from the lens of like, I'm just so interested in how people can make the most of it. And then you were like, well, that's actually a data problem to solve. Like, and I feel that same way. Like when we got our place, which was just last year, that was the first time we went from renting to, owning right and it felt like
2: congrats it's really thanks. exciting
0: yeah it felt really exciting it felt like a moment of like oh now you're here in this new level of sort of security and stability and like potential right so it's a really exciting time but then yeah like I said we kind of looked around and we're like now what and we've been lucky it's an old house and we've been lucky in that like nothing has gone wrong <laughs> in the first year which is kind of what I was asking for right Yeah. but now we're like how do we make the most of it and we hear again anecdotally like well, are you gonna live in it for five years or are you gonna, totally. you know, already I'm like imagining this is the product I want. And then I you know, saw your yes. pitch and it was like, your product came, alive. it exists, right? So it's clear there's a market demand. That. Yeah.
2: you know, We love users like you, Daryl. So we, we can offer insights to any type of homeowner. Right now we're really focused on new homeowners. So we love when people are getting into their house for the first time and they're saying, okay, wait, I'm totally overwhelmed. Yeah. I've never spent so much money on anything before. Help me make a plan. And planning around your home, it's, it's complex. It's a multi-year process. There's things that you want to do, like you might want to enjoy a nicer bathroom, or you might want to use a home lending product to pull cash out to buy a new car. Then there's things that you have to do, like your roof may leak, or you may have a baby on the way and you may need more space or area for a home office. So a lot of what we do with new homeowners is using data and insights to just say, all right, cool, there's unlimited things you could do here. Let's look at your life, your budget, and the house, and just make a plan. And that way, you know, how much money am I going to spend? You know, what what areas can I enjoy? What areas will I have to be okay with maybe pushing to later down the road?
0: I, I would imagine even with like, you know, it's a we're a couple, so we have like different perspectives on things. But it also takes some of the emotionality out of it. It's like, well, look, this is the smartest investment. And it also lines up with, you know, some of your priorities, maybe not the immediate ones. Like mine, Tara would be like, what does Daryl want to do? And it would be like, I don't know, turn his weird <laughs> unfinished basement <laughs> dungeon gym into like something a little more sophisticated. But she'd be like, that's absurd. Like, don't do that. It's already crazy. You should see my weird dungeon gym. It's very strange. I
2: want to see this weird dungeon gym. But what if you, did you say your your wife's name is Tara?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you go to Tara and say, Hey Tara, like, I know I have this weird dungeon gym that I want to make into like some weirder, cooler dungeon gym. <laughs> Realm could help you price that out and tell Tara the ROI. Yeah. So that way it would remove some of the emotion out of that conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. But she would be like, Well, no, we're putting it in the second washroom because we have the plumbing, it's already plumbed in, and it would be nice to have a second washroom. And I would have to agree with that, even though, you know, Dungeon Gym could use another like two or three TVs, I think. There's only there's <laughs> only two right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a, a couple things you're saying make me laugh. So I think one is that we pay therapists and referee a lot. So, you know, homes are often a there's multi, multiple stakeholders. Often, you know, you have a couple, you have a family, you have a parent and people rarely agree. So we try to be this neutral sounding board of like we're going to present what is true and, and just you know, put it into to your hand to help, you know, hopefully, you know, make this a fair debate. So I think that's that's one thing. You know, second thing that you mentioned that we do a lot, which has been a, a cool finding and not something I planned on when I started Realm. So when I started Realm, I thought this would be an entirely digital experience. People would make an account, they would consume insights, there would be no human, and that's that's that. And we started that way. And then once we started working with thousands and thousands of homeowners, we have over 30,000 homeowners using our, right. our platform right now. And we just launched, you know, in February, earlier this year. We learn quickly that not everyone wants an entirely digital experience. They The home's really high consideration. Sometimes they want to talk to someone, sometimes they need a referee with their spouse, or they need help interpreting all of this data, making sense of it all. So in, in some areas now, and we're expanding this next year, we actually offer that, we call them an advisor, and we offer, it's a full-time employee at Realm, and they get on the phone with you and they provide additional context to all of this data because it's, it's quite complex and people love it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and,
2: you know, it's really, really cool, and I think it, it speaks to ha- just how emotional the home can be, right? Sometimes you, you want that sounding
0: board. Yeah, and and you also just want, there's times where you're just like, I want. I just want someone to tell me what to do. Like, I'm yeah. ready, I'm at the point now where I'm willing to give up agency because it's just been too much, and I just want somebody to make the call for me, and then it'll be great, right? Because maybe these, all these options are like equivalent in value to me, and I can't suss it out, and I'm exhausted from making other decisions, and like, let's just solve it, right?
2: For sure. Yeah. There's, there's basically two decisions homeowners are always making, regardless of if they're a new homeowner, an experienced homeowner, that there's two that they're always talking about. The first one is, should I move or should we right. move? And it's funny, even when you look at our user data, even people that just moved in are still having this conversation. Yeah,
0: we had it because <laughs> our home, by the time we bought it until like you know four months later or something, it rose like $300,000 in value. Like you look at it and you're like, totally. oh, wait a minute. Yeah.
2: So that's consistent. Everyone's always chatting about that. And the second thing people are always talking about is what project should we do next or should I do next? And those are really the two core decisions we help people navigate. There's a whole bunch of sub decisions and questions we have to answer to make each of those two questions possible to answer, but that's at the core what we help people decide. And they're, you know, given the day or the week, they're, they're always in one of those two questions.
0: If you're listening to Found, you're probably already super interested in startups and the overall startup ecosystem. So, we've got a great deal for you. We're going to offer you 50% off either a one year or a two year subscription to Extra Crunch. Extra Crunch is TechCrunch's premium product offering. And when you go there, you'll get deep dive interviews with some of the top founders in the industry. You'll get market maps on specific verticals and some of the most exciting areas of growth in startup land. You'll also get uh, surveys of some of the top VCs in different areas. Including different geographies. So you can subscribe to ExtraCrunch at extracrunch.com. That's probably the easiest way. Or if you're already on TechCrunch, follow the links for ExtraCrunch and you'll get a prompt to subscribe. And then just enter that code that's found, the name of this podcast, during checkout and you'll get 50% off on either a one year or a two year subscription. So I do want to ask just about kind of your experience as a founder and as a CEO, yeah. we talked about it a little bit before even gets jumping on the actual recording part, but like, what is it like for you, you know, at leading a company? What's the company now around how many people? 50 or so?
2: No, we're actually pretty small. Oh, okay. we're, we're 20 people right now, but we're adding one to two employees a week. Oh, so we'll great. be 50, 50 to 60 pretty quickly.
0: So, like, what's What's the experience been like for you? First of all, just like leading from the start. And then as it grows, like, how are you adapting as the team gets bigger and bigger?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm a first time founder. So I'll start with that. So I'm, I'm learning a lot of things for the first time, do, doing a lot of things wrong. <laughs> so I think, you know, a couple of things that have been big for me. So I think first is, your your biggest job as a founder is to like set the what, set the strategy, and let go of the how. And that's really hard was really hard for me coming from an operating background. I had been, you know, like a VP head of at a couple of different startups, was always responsible for showing results, driving results, getting stuff done. And that's not scalable as a founder. There's only one of you. Right. So you have to really focus on, okay, how can I set the vision, set the mission? And then build a a framework around that so that way everyone else on the team knows what to do and knows you know what success looks like. And and for us that meant, you know, setting values and standards and, and, and rituals. And you have to be okay with letting go on letting people figure out how to get there. And I think that was a a huge shift that I went through over the last couple of months, like after our series A, because even at the seed stage, you you can get by by still being the doer Mm -hmm. and you should be the doer, honestly. Like I was doing all the customer calls. I was manually creating reports for homeowners uh, and that was great. I learned a ton, but now I have to let go of that because... Realm will not be successful if I can't. So I think I've been spending a lot of my time right now on on focusing on that. I got a coach, which is great, oh, yeah. really helpful. I highly recommend it. You hear that
0: a lot, right, Jonas? It's like basically everybody who comes in is like getting that, which I yeah. think is good overall, right?
2: Yeah. I was a hater for sure. I was like, coach, what? That's not
1: me. Oh, like,
0: I I mean, I still i am I'm stubbornly. I'm perfect. <laughs> As Jordan knows. Yeah,
1: Daryl is the best of the best, truly. I don't know if you know, but he worked at Shopify for a while. He went uh, no,
0: there. I didn't so that know, he again, did. you're bringing up all well, my things I bring
1: up. I have to. This is
2: who I am now. So for everyone except Daryl, you should get a coach. Uh, yeah, like, I'll, I'll give you an example of what my coach has, has helped me do. So... We came up with company values and I was really thrilled and, and they really embody what, what I want Realm to be, what I think Realm needs to be to be successful. But then we like announced those values to the team and you're like, okay, now what? Like, so you pick these values, like we're going to break new ground because we're innovating. And then you're like, are we doing that? So like even saying, hey, how do we take that down a step and actually say like, are we carrying those values out every day? So one of our values is progress over perfection. So the next step was like, all right, let's pick a standard and a ritual that we hold ourselves accountable to say, like, are we are we actually demonstrating progress over perfection every day? Right. So for us, like, the standard there is there are only two outcomes for any initiative, a result or a learning. And a failure is when neither occurs. And that's a great standard for progress over perfection because we're basically saying, if you don't get a result but you learn, that's okay. That's, that's progress. And, like, the ritual for that for us is that at any team meeting, you know, any initiative-wide meeting— we share learnings and results and we actually weigh those and celebrate them equally. Hmm. So that's a great example. Like without a coach, I would have never came up with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I haven't come up with that as a proof point. I have no coach. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a big thing is it's like what, you know, setting the what, letting go of the how and, and coming up with frameworks like that. And then the other thing is, is simplifying and zooming out. Realm is a complex business. We're a data business. We cover 80 million homes. We have 30,000 plus users. There's almost unlimited problems we can solve for homeowners. Like, there's probably a couple thousand people that want basement dungeons, <laughs> like you, Daryl. But, like, Dungeon I, there, GM. There, let's be also- <laughs> very
0: careful about how we describe <laughs> this.
2: But like if I go really, if I you know interview two people that want dungeons, I can't like distract the whole team and be like, we're making dungeon insights only. Dungeons are the next big thing. So I think you know I really have tried to learn how to simplify and, and zoom out. So like at Realm, for me that was like, all right, what's really the core of what we do? And it was realizing that we're a content business. The way we acquire users is with our content. Right. We meet them where they're at. The way that we engage our users is with content. We serve them personalized and timely content to do that my advice is like surround yourself with really smart people and carve out time for that zooming out which is not something i did for the first year and i think it it was much needed
0: yeah yeah well no that actually brings me so it's interesting you bring up that it is a content business because it struck me as like just as you said that i was like oh of course it is right like that is the the number one way in for customers for something like this right like and now Jordan, it's time for me to bring up how I worked at Shopify, but like (laughs) Shopify was heavily, heavily a content business, right? Like it's a, it's a super community focused company and the way that that community was built was on the back of the content business, uh, which shout out to that team because they're fantastic over there. But like, how did, did you realize that kind of immediately or how did you get to that insight, uh, for, for Realm?
2: It was definitely was not immediate. So I think the first thing was I wasn't thinking of data as content. I thought of us as a data business, because if you just look at a data point, like if I'm like, hey, here's Daryl's house and it's worth $278,000, that doesn't really feel like content. But when you start talking to homeowners and you realize how critical the context is around that of like, why is your home worth this much? How much more could it be worth? What are other homes like yours worth? Uh you realize, like, wait, all of this is right. content. What brings a number or data to life to a consumer is content. So for us, it took time, but it was a combination of listening to our customers and listening to smart people that joined the team. Like our, our head of marketing was the one that had the realization on our go to market strategy. You know, she said, hey, look, homeowners are already going on Google, talking to professionals, and talking to their opinionated friends. Yep. So our strategy from marketing should be to use our data as content to meet them in those three places. And when you say that, you're like, duh, that makes a ton of sense. But it takes a while to to get there, to get to that simplicity.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Especially if your expertise and your experience is in in the data side, right? Which, it's funny because it's like, when you're on the content side, you're constantly like, God, I wish we had good data to back this up. (laughs) And you're not—you don't realize yeah. that you can go get it or that it's there, right? And often the sides won't communicate with one another, especially larger companies, and like don't realize that the value that's inherent in the other side of the equation.
2: Yeah, completely. We—I feel really lucky. I mean, that's one of our—I think our big advantages here is that we have the data foundation. So it really comes down to figuring out the ways to package it and to give people little nuggets of it that are digestible. Because the, the reality is, Realm—you know—as a single destination for homeowner insights. Not everyone's ready to wrap their head around right. that today, right? Like, you know, my grandma that's been in her house for 40 years, like, probably not ready for that. But is grandma ready for a little piece of that? Like, hey, you got to replace your stove and it should cost X. Grandma's probably ready for that. So, you know, we always think about, like, what are ways to package our data? Little nuggets, little tidbits, and what's the content required to make this approachable for anyone?
0: Yeah, that it would be Automatically, a hook for I I have to imagine anyone is the cost comparison because it's so wildly divergent in terms of like what you can potentially pay for something. This is another Daryl's homeownership tale, but one of the few things we did do work-wise was we had a proper hood vent installed because it was one of those like internal recirculating vents or whatever, which like they don't do anything. That's fake. But I went with my hairdresser's brother-in-law, and it was like. (laughs) It's really on the cheap.
2: Was he your expert?
0: Yes. My expert was my hairdresser. And he was like, Oh, my brother in law does that kind of stuff. He's real good. I had no idea. I was like, Is this a good price? Like, I had no idea at all. Right. But afterwards, friends were like, No, you underpaid immensely. And that's why they did a terrible job.
1: <laughs> so, Liz, I have a question. Yes. When we were talking about values, right? Like, how do you, because listening to Daryl talk and then also being in the process of buying a home myself, I'm just like it's becoming more and more poignant how much millennials are just getting like f- hard, right? like <laughs> Wait, just, <come> on. <laughs> no, because like we we're stuck renting for longer, right? Oh, the yeah, generation yeah. that yeah. came before us. And then now we're in this market where we're like finally in a place to buy and a pandemic hits and the housing market completely flips on its head. And it's like, oh, anything that protected you while buying a home is now gone. And like, you're also overpaying and good luck. And we're also like, we're doing the same thing that every generation that did came before us did, which is like, oh, learning how to own a home and like take care of it and like changing our budgets around it and all of these things, right, to like, yeah, my rent and there's a leak in my roof. I'd suffer forever, but at least I don't pay to fix a roof, right? And like, if that's in a home I buy, then like, it's a totally different game plan. I have to have like savings dedicated to that. So I'm just curious, Liz, from your perspective, running a service that yeah. helps you manage owning a home. How do you think about that sector, right, of customers and like the difference between you know my mom owning a home is a completely different ball game than me. Right. Like there, there are things she knows how to do and understands and has done for a million years. And she might never totally. change the way she doesn't. Like your insights might not matter to her. Right. Whereas they would matter a lot to me. So I'm just curious how you think about that.
2: We love millennials. So like Jordan, you are my our, our perfect target customer, target user. Um, So I think there's a couple of things. One is your summary on the housing market is is totally accurate. Right. Like the housing market's been crazy. We have more millennials that have actually more money ready to to deploy towards housing than ever before. But homes are prohibitively expensive, and they've been that way for some time now. It means that millennials aren't buying their dream home. They have to look for homes that they're going to actually have to put work into when they move in. They're going to have to understand what's possible on the property and, and be prepared to put some some work in. But that right. puts a lot of pressure on them to understand the time and costs associated with that work. The regulations, what's possible. So I think the first way that we help millennial home buyers, we actually wrote a blog about this a long time ago, was like find 10 properties on Zillow, then plug them all into Realm to figure out what's possible and make a budget for what you'll actually have to do in the first year. So I think for millennials, like what we really pitch is like, don't get discouraged by picking, you know, the house that you want for the next five years and seeing it fly off the market at, at 10% over ask. Look a little bit deeper. We gotta like be a little bit more creative and look for homes that aren't what you want today, but you can make it into what you want in the future. And like Realm can really power that decision-making process if you have a couple of properties in mind. So that's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is we try to help them more holistically set budgets. So I think the mistake that a lot of homeowners make is you've you know heard the term, like, I'm house poor. It's like, wait, I bought a house, my money went to the down payment, I'm barely keeping up with my monthly mortgage right. and the insurance and, and like some basic maintenance fees what now? And what we really help people do is say, let's look at your home budgeting process as the cost of purchasing the home, the like inherent cost of, of maintaining the home, which is like your insurance, the stuff that you can't not pay. And then also the cost of what things or changes you want to make to your home. And you should look at your budget across all of those those areas. So, so we help people do that. So that way they're like, all right, cool. The house is going to cost me 300 grand. I want to make of improvements over the next couple of years. I have enough cash for half of that right now. And I'm in an area where the housing market's appreciating. So I'll likely be able to pull some equity out in two years to fund the rest. And we can really help you navigate those kind of like multi-pronged decisions.
0: That's great. Yeah. Liz, I want to say like, just, you keep bringing up these house values and as, as someone in the Toronto market it's just a personally offensive to me i yeah, hate no,
1: i'm really offended too that you just said three hundred thousand dollars you know what three hundred thousand dollars can get me god
0: it's like watching hgtv though because they're the same way they're like oh like yeah look here's the
1: of the kids playhouse and it's like yeah. recently <laughs> brought down to 399 and you're like yeah like that is actually what it feels like i'm
2: giving a averages based on on the entire united states uh, yeah. <laughs> but probably you can't defend yourself Liz <laughs> um yeah and our look our average realm user this might be helpful <laughs> you know context is our average realm user their house is slightly more expensive than the local average so if you guys fall if you're looking at homes that are slightly more expensive than your local average that's like our our core customer
1: yeah
2: we don't like to mess with the like 10 million dollar luxury homes yeah we're not looking for that either <laughs>
0: Selling Sunset. They handle that. That's yeah. all the data you need there. <laughs> well,
2: because there's no data, right? Like, we joke, we're like, we're trying to bring transparency. But once you're in, in the, the ultra luxe range, logic is mostly going out the door. Like, yes. if you want that that crazy infinity pool, like, you don't care about the ROI.
0: <laughs> now, I saw one recently where they were like, I really would like, it was Simu Liu from Marvel's Shang-Chi, but he was saying his, like, oh, a basketball court is a priority. And it's like, what?
2: I would be lying if I said we haven't had a handful of users ask for ROI and cost on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, probably not great ROI, but <laughs> we're running out of time here. But I want to ask you, because you mentioned it at the top, uh, you just raised uh, just, I mean, in July, I think yes. you announced the round, right? Yep. The $12 million Series A led by GGV. And uh, shout out to Marianne, who covered that yes. for, for us on TechCrunch.
2: Thank you, Marianne loved it
0: but i'd love to hear a bit more about that and just like what that was like for you the process of raising was the Series A a bit easier than the seed or how did it go for you overall and what's been your kind of experience with uh, talking to VCs and getting investment in general?
2: The Series A was definitely easier. Uh, I think the TechCrunch article talked about how quick it was. It was like a 48-hour 48, yeah. 48 round, I think was the headline. So yeah, I think a, a couple things. One for us is when we raised the seed, it was only nine months before that, but this idea of, of convincing everyone that like this is the way the world should work, that you should have a single place to turn to for home insights and that anyone can be a home expert, whether you're a first time home buyer like Jordan and the person that's flipped 17 homes should be the same. Originally, investors, you know, struggled to wrap their head around that. So in the seed, it was a lot of like, wait, the world should function this way and like really pounding our, our fists on that. And we convinced a bunch of people. We ended up getting a bunch of term sheets in the seed, but it like took us a while to get there. And between the C and the A, we've been really customer focused the whole life of the company. So we didn't have to convince anyone. Our customers convince people. You know, yeah. we had tens of thousands of users that are saying, "I need the world to function this way. I want the world to function this way. This is the area I feel the most uncomfortable with." So the A was definitely easier. And I think probably for anyone that's been in a that's creating a category like we are, when your customers can say, "Hey, I need this. I want this. It has to exist. It's a big problem." That makes it a lot easier on the fundraising process I think an approach I've taken in both the seed and the A is answer the questions before people ask them so like thinking through at each at each raise what are the questions that you know an investor may care about so like at the seed we knew that people were going to say do homeowners want this and can you actually build a national platform this feels really hard is that possible so we wanted to answer those and just get in front of them at the A we knew the question was really going to be is like do do people really care about this like do they log back in? Are they happy? What what do they want more of? So we had all of the research and, and intel required for that. And it made the process go really smoothly. The last thing I'll say is like as a founder, I'm I'm not someone that really enjoys fundraising. Like it's fine, it's part of the job. It's one of the main right. jobs. But we when we found the right partner, we found the partner that we wanted to work with at great terms, part of a great fund, we just shut the process down. So I canceled 15 or 20 meetings that were already on the books for the following two to three weeks. And I was like, we're done. I can get back to work. My job is to run the business, not to raise capital all the time. I just have to raise capital to run the business. Right, and I think right. we didn't obsess over like juicing the valuation another 10 or 15 percent or like being able to brag over this sea of, of term siege, which is easy to to want to do as a founder because it's like nice validation, but. We stayed really focused.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's nice because you're you've got revenue, right? Like, it's not like your whole focus is go out, build a huge reserve of money upon which to like go design rocket engines or whatever the other crazy. You know, it's like, yeah, look, look, this is a real business, and we can go out, we can treat it as a necessity, get it done, and then get back to doing business, which is cool. Yeah, totally. Well, I think, Liz, we're just about out of time, but uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. And thanks so much for for coming on and teaching us all the things that I should be worried about in my house, which I wasn't previously worried about. No, (laughs) I'm just like...
2: Thanks so much for the time, guys. This was great.
0: So that's Realm, and it is all about... Democratizing data, and I think I think like democratizing is one of those words that we joke about gets overused in startup land. But I I mean this is actually true in this case, and it sounds like they're working on unlocking HOA data, which as you brought up, Jordan, is this weird sort of like nebulous, hidden away information that people just try to kind of like maintain. It's weird too. Somewhat secret.
1: You want to know what's going on with the HOA when you're looking for a house because It's obviously critical information for whether or not it's going to work out for you. And then at the same time, as soon as you have it in your hands, your window to back out of the deal goes away. And right now in this market, it's like, that's all you got. So you don't want it too fast. It's very tricky. So putting it on a platform like Realm would be really useful because who can prove that I had it in my hands, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. But I, you know, it's weird because, yeah, I guess because you got it, not direction to sell it, right? So it's like, you don't know. Did I see it? Did I not? Who knows, right? But the HOA thing is mind boggling to me just because I didn't have to deal with it. Like I didn't purchase an area that has an HOA. I think the HOA is like, you want to put a couch upside down on your front lawn? No problem. Like that's the, those are the right. rules I mean, it's here. a lot of rules, but it's also a <laughs> it's lot of protections,
1: fine. right? Like, I mean, in certain communities, like an HOA handles things like your roof. Yeah. If it goes through, right? So like, I'm willing to pay... Whatever, two hundred and fifty bucks a year, oh. a month, even to know that, like, like if I have a terrible leak. Although I have like
0: leak PTSD, but
1: all the other things like mowing the public lawns around and keeping the sidewalks clean and
0: oh, I didn't understand that. It's okay. I, it's more like condo fees. Yeah, but it's kind of like condo really fees.
1: A lot of it is rule oriented. Like my mom was the president of an HOA for a while, and we're like I remember her taking me to someone's house and being like, "Your apple tree, like you have to pick up the rotten fruit." Under your apple tree, like we're getting complaints, which like you know, it's on his property. It's his rotten fruit. Like it seems kind of overbearing, but I also understand his neighbors being like, there are bugs everywhere because you have rotten fruit on the floor. So anyway, we're getting off on a tangent.
0: Yeah, a tangent. But those things are all useful to know, like both on the fees side and on the rules side, right? So if they end up being able to deliver that, like the neighborhood level, that's going to be fantastic um anyways thanks for listening as always we appreciate your reviews we appreciate your very good excellent reviews and go just go buy a house <laughs> no i don't know but if you are in the market don't buy a house if you live near me
1: get out of my market get out of my way
0: Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch News Editor, Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch Managing Editor, Jordan Crook. We are produced by Ashad Kulkarni and edited and produced by Maggie Stamets. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and on Twitter at twitter.com slash found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com, and you can call us at 510-936-1618 and leave us a voicemail. Also, we'd love if you could spare a few minutes to fill out our listener survey at bit.ly slash foundlistenersurvey. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.